This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 163, The Arborek Strategy Guide. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. It's the final hurdle, Hunter. We've made it. Did we make it? Does it? It doesn't feel like we've made it. It doesn't feel like we're crossing a finish line today. Yeah, um, this pretty big project that we started, what was it, over a year ago? That we were ago. like, let's do the guides again? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's lame that we're ending it with, this, <laughs> with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, because... I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's funny because one of the reasons that I wanted to do all 17 factions again was that I felt like we had made some mistakes yeah. uh, in the first year. I, I think one of the big mistakes we made that we actually tried hard not to make, but then like sort of fell right into, which was that in the first year of the game, we were taking our, you know, essentially first looks at yeah. these factions and trying to sculpt them into guides right so there was a lot of stuff that made it into the arborec guide in particular that i didn't feel i didn't really feel like it aged that well right yeah um, and I, I think the the original arborec guide is probably the one that people call to the most with like a, a piece of advice that they don't like and really all it comes down to is that you said diplo is your number one get and and even at the time i think it was mostly also just like trying to give some points to diplo because because we hadn't really done it that much yet. Right. And it was early on. But yeah, I think the extra and the Arborec guides were the two we most wanted to like really reassess. And the extra guide I took way too long. I'd spent so long on. And then this Arborec one has just come at such a terrible timing where, you know, we want to get it right. But also Prophecy of Kings releases like literally later this month. There's actually an event in Roseville at the FFG Game Center where some people are going to have their copies tomorrow. Like tomorrow, right. Right. people are going to have copies. So this this is literally the last possible moment we could have released this episode and it have any sense of relevance aside from, you know, there's going to be all kinds of people who don't get the expansion and I hope that they don't think that we think this guide is total trash and, and completely useless. I know that some people are going to play with base game, but for us and our purposes, like this is the last time we will ever talk about base game stuff i mean besides right. what we're gonna do uh on november 7th at 11 a.m central standard time our 24-hour extra life <laughs> live stream uh we'll talk about the schedule later but yeah yeah we're gonna have like a that farewell. was a very sudden tone switch yeah. matt that was a little bit a little bit weird little but jarring. yes please please watch the extra life uh live stream and uh give money to the charity that mm-hmm. we've selected which is uh the Arkansas Children's Hospital, right. which is a, a hospital in Arkansas manned entirely by child dark doctors. Mm-hmm, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Bunch of doogies. These Housers, kids are smart. They're real smart, and they, you know, they are curing coronavirus. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones that are going to find it. Yes. But uh, let's, I, I feel like we should just, um, let's get into it. Oh, man. Here we go. What? How do we preface this guide, Hunter? Um we haven't had any wins as Arborek, and I don't mean you and I, right? You and I haven't had any wins, but also sort of... I, I, I actually have one in, 
as Arborek. Oh yeah. Before. Well, okay. Yeah. Yes, your your second game of TI four ever was an Arborek win. Is that yes. right? Okay. And yes, that's, that's it. correct. And then recorded games in SCPT history, there has been one game in last year's prelims that wasn't mm-hmm. filmed, but like we have it down that there was one Arborek win. And talking to the people in that game sounds like it was a pretty goofy game. Outside of that, I don't know of any time that Arborek has won the board game. They don't. Yeah, they're they're very bad. <laughs> Can we? Be I have. Uh, I've put the call out in the past on um, on our streams and just like on the Discord and stuff. But um, as far as we know, besides the the you know the one that we don't have any video of that we know about, there's no proof that Arborek has ever won <laughs> a game. And that might you know if you're sitting here being like I'm an Arborek expert and I've got all all types of wins. Well, we need prove it in court, you know, yeah. I'll see you in court is what I'll, I'll say to that. <laughs> well, and, and I just I, I feel like also we should say that we're talking about six player, right? Four player Arborek is a completely different beast. Four player Arborek rules um, and has time to grow and get, you know, mm-hmm. get get things together. And you get two strategy cards every round. And like it's a you can do really yeah, well I as mean, four player Arborek. I'm sure they're great. I'm sure. But I wouldn't know. Four I don't player play four doesn't player. exist for me. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I literally fall asleep when you start talking about four players. So, <laughs> so I, I, my goal for today is to answer the question why, because I, I we have talked trash on Arborek for years, for for multiple years now. We've kind of always said that they're bad, and there's little stories out there of like terrible Arborek games that are all anecdotal. But I I feel like it is important that we really explain why Arborek truly is so bad. Uh, and like and maybe worse than all the other factions like maybe worse yeah. than winu in in certain situations that sounds i want to try I, 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 okay but you're you're going you're coming on so strong here I and i, I just want to say that when we say bad we don't mean not fun oh because i actually sure. think arborek is quite fun yes and i'm just I, i'm not trying to anger anybody that's a fan of the plants yeah i get it i like the plants yeah okay yeah even even a losing game as Arborek is still very fun. But what we're talking about today is just like, you know, our goal here is to try and inform you, the player, as to like things you can do that would lead to a victory, to, yeah. to you winning a game of Twilight Imperium. And in that way, I don't like that. I don't, I don't think we have it. <laughs> but i i think instead of that instead of saying here's how you win as arborek all we can do is offer you the tools of here is what sets here's what gives you the best chance at um taking away some of your disadvantages right here's how you pick yourself up off of oh i'm even less sure than that well maybe so i'm yeah I, i all i know all I'm good. All I'm here. I'm just here, by the way. Yeah. Man, this is this is Matt's episode with me <laughs> making some comments because I'm not signing any of this. If you errata this, you can just talk to Matt uh-huh, about it. Like uh-huh. I'm not taking your call <laughs> on this one. Um, all I can really tell you is is what doesn't work, yeah. and I think what doesn't work is uh, most of it. I would say <laughs> almost all of it doesn't yeah. really work as far. If right. your goal is to win the game, now if your goal is to have it, it's it's weird. It, talking about Arborek, you can almost get into like design philosophy type talk in yeah. evaluating the faction right. because just because a faction isn't set up to win 
frequently or or with any kind of regularity doesn't mean they're like an, a a bad faction as in bad as in poor quality yes. right right when we say bad we mean not winning right right but but they are great they're they're fun to play yeah. and they are they are i think there's one thing that they are good at it's just that the thing that they're good at uh while fun uh has almost zero bearing on winning the game <laughs> i would no say utility. that might be the best way i can yeah. put it here here's what i here's kind of how i want to frame it before we get into like overviewing all of their components i i like to compare them to the Winu because they have a lot of the same start and a lot of the same kind of issues getting off the ground and everything. Mm-hmm. And so here, here are the two things to compare them with Winu. Uh, when, when Winu works, Winu really, really works and can win games. Yeah. When Arborek works, it still doesn't necessarily do anything for you. It doesn't mean you're any closer right. to winning the board game. Now, on the flip side of that, when Winu doesn't work, it is also not fun. It is a miserable, stupid experience that is not fun to play. When Arborek doesn't work, which bo- in both cases is the more common outcome, Arborek is still very, very fun to play. So, pound for pound, I will pick Arborek over Winu every time, because at least I'll have a good time. But right. I expect to win as the Winu more than I expect to win as the Arborek, in reality. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and like, it's not by it's much. Like picking, this is election right. season. Like, let's get used to these like 0.5% margins, right? Like, it's it is barely oh, sure. an increase of the amount of time that I win <laughs> as Winu versus Arborek, but I win a little bit more as Winu than I do as Arborek. Yeah, Matt, always reminding. I, I always forget when whenever that stuff comes into um, our show. I remember that that Matt, you've told me you want to be the Nate Silver of <laughs> Twilight Imperium. It's just. You're you're not a very mathy person, no. but if you were, that's exactly what you would sure. be. Um, but yeah, I, I I would say that I agree with every single thing uh, you just said. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would add is that um, I feel like there has been. Uh, I, I just want to throw in a little bit of of history, and this is just this is just my read on it, right? I think. You know, they came up with Arborek originally in the second expansion for TI3. Yep. And I think immediately, if you remember how the rules worked in TI3, there was some um, some maybe fear of right. the concept of Arborek being too good. You can almost feel it in in the way they're designed, right? Um, the and the way the way it used to work, it was like the Arborek couldn't move and produce, right. which is horrible. Right. And it's crazy thinking how bad that is compared to... They're actually better now, but it still doesn't work out to being that good. It used to be the way it worked is that you would have to activate infantry that were just sitting on a planet, right, and, and then they could just produce, and that's all they could do if you moved them forward or like took a new planet yeah. or whatever. They couldn't yeah, produce... Yeah, you couldn't build on new planets was the rule. No. So, so <clears throat> you, could, you could move infantry around and go put them on a different planet that you already controlled and build out of them, but you could not build on a brand new planet that you just took control of, and that made it pretty useless <laughs> as an right. ability. So I, I never played them in TI3. And in fact, yeah. because you did the guide the first time around... This here, this month, is the first time I have ever played Arborek ever, period. Insane. I've, I have avoided them for seven years. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really, really crazy. Um, yeah. You know what's funny? I realized the other day I've never played Jolnar. Um, really? That's just something fun I wanted to throw out there. That's hilarious. Well, let's, okay, let's let's break down the plants now. Let's actually talk about what what makes them so bad, and it's it's all of their components. Uh, everything they have and start with uh, is bad. So to, to get into it, they start with 
one carrier and four infantry, which is one carrier shy of the two C4I we like to see, right? So their expansion is a little bit uh, hindered. They need to build a carrier to get it off the ground. They also have a cruiser and two fighters and a PDS. All that's not so bad. I, I, don't, I don't hate any of that. You know, two fighters, I, I wish it was four, obviously, but two is fine. They also, their starting tech is Majin Defense Grid, which is a bad tech. Uh, even even upgraded Omega Majin isn't that great, especially considering new Majin requires you to have structures, and the whole advantage of Arborek, in theory, is the idea that we don't need to build space docks. So that's like... Th that's less structures out there. Now, uh, it turns out that PDS Arborek is is quite um, potent. So we actually do, in some cases, like getting PDS. So Majin will have some use there. But generally speaking, Majin is not the most useful tech we could have started with. Uh, would have loved many other things besides Majin. There yeah, are... I'm, gonna, I'm just going to modify a little bit and say that I wouldn't call PDS Arborek potent. Yeah. I would just call it one of the things you can try. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is Hunter's role in this episode. Is Anytime yeah, I, I try to I, say anything nice about Arborek, we do need to actually scale that back just a little bit because it's not good and we better I'm not say it's I'm just here to add <laughs> a, a, a realistic tone exactly. and, and, and I don't, I just don't, I don't want to get caught in any traps exactly. because Arborek is, I think... I think it's it's just it's weird. It's like it's like you have all this stuff on the sheet and I think personally right now the way I feel like with Arborek is if you lean into any of the stuff that you've got in front of you, uh you've kind of made a mistake, I think. Right. <laughs> it doesn't really work out, yeah. you know, in a in an odd way. Yeah. Um yeah. so it yeah. just doesn't get you points. Uh their home system is a single planet, which that that is nice, right? A single planet is is in some way handy, uh, just from a pure defensibility standpoint. But it mm -hmm. is a three resources, two influence planet, which, as you'll note, is not enough to afford tech round one. It is actually barely enough to afford that extra carrier that we need. So literally, between all of our start, we have just enough to have an equitable start to what every other faction pretty much gets. Not every. I mean, yeah. there's lots of non-2C4Is. But, like, what we need to have an ideal round one is 2C4I, and Arborek just barely has enough to make that happen uh, and, and, do, and accomplish nothing else that round. And it's really sad that we don't start with 2C4I because our advantage, our whole advantage is built around production yep. um, and producing out of, out of infantry. So it really hurts. It, it's it's odd. It's almost like it's like we have this thing that we're good at, and for some reason the start kind of looks at that advantage. And again, I, I feel like there is almost like a well, we don't want to let you start out too good yeah. here. Like you know, it's like almost like a let's slow you down a bit mm -hmm. kind of approach, basically. Yeah, I think that that's the big. You can tell in the design it was like, oh, this is a snowball faction, so we got to make sure they start bad because they can end good. But the big problem right. is that that ending is good in terms of like having loads of stuff on the board sometimes, but it is not good for scoring victory points and winning the game. Right. So it, it's the the good is kind of overrated in our minds. It's, basically, it's similar to the Sardak plus one. Right. In no way do we think the Sardak's plus one ability does them any favors. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, I mean you have that, but you got to find your way down some other path to actually win the board game. Um, yeah, I, I'd push back a little bit. I would sure. say the Sardak plus one it's, it's more can be really effective in the in the mid to late game 
Yeah, and it's a it's a statistical thing that you can actually push with you know with with the right tools. Um, right, ArborX is hard to harder to push. Uh, they also have three commodities, which makes them at least not a terrible trading faction. Uh, they're sure. not great though, so so they have kind of no economic boons. Um, they're they're just the middle of the road e- economically. Uh, their abilities are mitosis. Uh, this is one of those like sad uh, one, uh, abilities to read. <laughs> right. uh, the first sentence is a downer. Your space stocks cannot produce infantry. <laughs> imagine you're imagine you don't know what Twilight, Imper- Twilight Imperium is, and you're reading this. It's just like, why would I want to play this faction? Anyways, your space stocks cannot produce infantry. At the start of the status phase, place one infantry from your reinforcements on any planet you control. Um, the second half of that is um, okay, I guess, although people frequently forget it, yeah, that's the, uh, including that's the, myself and Matt. Right. That's the big ability where it's like on TTS, you see people make a million different types of counters to remind themselves that people have like developed weird tools to help remind them of this ability because it's just so impossible to remember. So please never mm-hmm. forget your free infantry uh, at the end of each round. Uh, and, and in Prophecy of Kings, that's actually going to be even more important because you, you technically have a choice of what to do with mitosis uh, coming coming up here in the next month or so once we actually I d- have I do want to add one thing before we move away from mitosis, yeah. though. Um, it is not a may. Right. So you yeah. are supposed to do this. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you did miss it, I mean, obviously groups all handle timing things differently, but a lot of times in our groups... If someone misses it and they call it out, we usually say, oh, you can still do it because you, you're supposed I mean, you're not supposed to have a choice to that. You should do it. So you should. Yeah, the extra right. Infantry. It's it is, you know, it is supposed to happen. I will say uh, this would be a, a nice little house rule for me. Um, and I, I've never used this. I just came up with this right now. I think it's really uh, sweet. Um, if I forget mitosis. I have to put the infantry on my home system. Right. <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. You don't you Which you, is fine. That's not like a bad no, thing to no, do. No, but you don't get to have the choice of making some forward position better. Yeah, cuz a lot of times what happens is there'll be some sort of agenda that comes out. Right. And then when the agenda comes out, the Arborak is like, "Oh no, I forgot to do mitosis." And it's because the agenda has something to do like it's somewhat relevant even in like a cursory way uh as to like where that infantry from mitosis should go. Right. Um, so their other actual ability, the real thing that Arborek does, is that they have um, a different type of ground force, a different kind of, of infantry called Latani Warriors. Hunter, can you give me the stats on Latani Warriors? Yeah, so um, so they're normal. They hit on an eight. Uh, they cost uh, one, you know, they cost one for two, same as all the other infantry. Um, however, they have a production of one. This is the backbone. This is like the whole point of of the faction their space stocks can't make infantry but their infantry can make stuff yeah um with a pretty you know a pretty difficult production limit i actually think it's one of the biggest problems Mm -hmm. of the faction is that the production limit is so low again it's like it, it it's like there was kind of a fear of like we don't want this ability yeah. to be uh too good right essentially yeah, so each infantry represents one unit you can build out of it. Um, yes. So that's where the snowball comes in effect, right? You start the game with four infantry. So round one, out of my four infantry, I can build four things. Now, if I build four infantry out of my four infantry and I have eight infantry next round, I can build eight things, right? So I yes. can take that as far as I want. I can go crazy, right? And in and, and games, you will sometimes see 
Arborek with the the stack on Mechatol of like literally like twenty five infantry because because it doesn't take very much to pull that off and it and it can be quite cheap. Um, but the whole issue with that is, and you'll you'll hear good players talk about this, is you can very much overinvest in infantry and not have any ships and your infantry don't do anything if you can't go take new planets. So there's a balance here of yes, get get infantry out so that you can have decent enough production centers, but make sure you're always building ships too. And that's going to be my big driving home point for this whole episode is you cannot fall behind in space combat because your infantry are useless if you can't put them anywhere. Now, the flip right. side of that is it's useless to have your ability if you're not building enough infantry to like really 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 reinforce your plants. Like your other big thing that you could be good at you could be decent at at least is having planets with so many infantry on them that nobody comes into your slice it's sort of that extra situation right where like there's so much pds that nobody's gonna you're just not a target you can do that with with latani warriors it it's just does that score you any points right how do we get outside of our home slice uh with without any ships you you need at least some yeah, I mean, it's like it, you could honestly just be like, I'm not going to build any more infantry, and now I'm just like uh, Sar, but even Sar has better production than four. Right. So yeah, yeah. So you 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 in your own game kind of have to decide where that cutoff point is. I do think there's at least a certain level of you should always be trying to lead. You, you shouldn't have planets without infantry, right? That that's at least a golden rule we can say. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. I mean you. It, <laughs> That I I think maybe playing it um, really fast and loose. If depending on what your goal is, yeah. right? You know, I mean, yeah. if, if you if your goal is to eat a neighbor, and you're just like, I don't care about leaving infantry on planets because we are blazing a trail right. here. Right. You could just steamroll uh, your opponents and, and walk through. Them. Sounds like you could do that. It would still be slower than like if a SAR player right. chose to do that. Right. Right. Uh, and not very clear that that would actually add up to a victory for you, and you would ruin one of the other players yeah. game and that that player might be your friend you know so you, you kind of ruin yeah. their day and then not win which is actually <laughs> i would say my least favorite thing to do yeah in twilight imperium yeah that's so. kind of the main thing that makes arborek a tough faction for me to play i i had some fun with them but i definitely had the the choice of do i need to destroy this person's game and it's like i don't i don't want to do that and so i can't i should i be playing this faction i don't know probably not mm-hmm. um speaking of building ships though and and the need for that how is our flagship is it is it yeah. worth its weight so it's called the duha minamon uh pokemon duha <laughs> uh it's like it's like that uh Romps, romstein song duha oh, um, no. <laughs> yeah do it uh make the meme make the meme i'll i'll sign <laughs> off on it i'll say uh love it good meme um so it's a flagship. Uh, it costs eight. It hits two on a seven. So the bad version. Well, the, the uh, middling one, version, right? The, the middling version. Yeah. I mean, I would say bad. Sure. Anything that's not two on a five feels bad to yeah. me. Um, and movement one, capacity five. So mm. it's a little bit better. Um, but it, it kind of has to have capacity five because the ability is after you activate the system, you may produce up to five units in this system. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's like, it's sort of like. The flagship works the way production with Arborek in TI3 used to work all the time, which kind is yeah. th- that you don't get to, you're not like moving it yeah. uh, and then building all of this stuff. It has to sit somewhere. You activate it and then it, and then it produces. Right. Yeah. And so th- this is useful. The whole point is the timing is after activation. So before movement for anything else. So you have to build out of the space dock. What, I mean, out of the flagship, what this flagship is used for 
is if you lost a lot of ground, you lost a bunch of infantry, what you should realistically use that five production for is to build five infantry. And then at the end of that activation, you still have a production step. And then you can build out of those five infantry that you just put down. There's not really a great reason to do anything different unless you're like super strapped for cash. Um, because to build five ships out of the Duha Manaiman, Manaiman, uh, they're not going anywhere. So what's the point? Why did you do that? You might as well get the infantry down and then build a bunch of ships. Um, but it's it's purely a defensive maneuver. And um, honestly, I would rather have spent my eight bucks on just doing more of that elsewhere. It, it really only matters if you got so screwed and lost basically all of your infantry because there's no other good way. Like, it's such a slow roll because you can't build out of your space docks. If you have no infantry at the table then you have no other way to get infantry until you get a mitosis done, right? You have to let the round end. You have one infantry, and then you only get to build one infantry out of that one infantry. So in some cases, the the flagship is your only path to just even becoming relevant again. But um, mm -hmm. if you're in that situation, this guide is not necessary because you have already uh, taken such a beating that you, I think your chances are done. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I will say this. The, the only thing about the flagship is I feel like there hasn't been a lot. I mean, it's, it's weird. So we've had this game for like three years, right? Mm -hmm. And this faction, I feel like never really got figured out. And, and I say that about us. And I'm also going to say that about the community a little bit. <laughs> I don't really feel like anyone has proposed anything that sounds like really solid and very repeatable. Yep. Though I will say that it feels like the flagship is kind of like a gap where I'm not really sure. It doesn't sound good. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. Like, I don't think this sounds very good. Right. However, I also rarely saw it in games. Maybe I may, I've maybe seen it once really in a game. I've never built it myself and I've also never really heard players talk about it. So I wonder, you know, where we're at with Arborek, it just feels like, is there any uh, stone unturned? Right. And I feel like the flagship is a little bit of that. Yeah, it feels like, Hunter, your main perspective with Arborek is if in, in any games you might play them in the future, you're just going to try anything. Like, you'll try anything that people haven't talked about because... And, you know, who knows what might work at this point, because all the other all the other stuff that's supposed to be good, the conventional wisdom isn't good enough. So let's just keep doing science on the other stuff, because you know what? Forget it. Maybe something else just works well enough, because because if I'm going to lose and do the the normal route is where's the fun in that? Might as well get exploratory. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about some of the new stuff that we have. Arborek has a promissory note called Stymie that got an mm -hmm. update uh, not too long ago. So if you find the codex, there is an upgraded Stymie. The old Stymie was completely worthless, uh, and new Stymie is much better. I have found new Stymie is incredibly difficult to sell just like right now in this moment of the meta. Right. I think that will change because it is a very, very good promissory note. It just takes a lot of conditions to get it to work. Here's how it reads. After another player moves ships into a system that contains one or more of your units, you may place one command token from that player's reinforcements in any non-home system, then return this card to the Arborek player. So you get to do a signal jamming, right? That's an action card that lets you do effectively mm -hmm. the same idea as this. Uh, so the, the, whole, the reason this is so conditional is... You don't have any control over the timing, right? It's when somebody else activates you. So you can't just, like, do this promissory note. It is a reaction only. Uh, and it, and the only time it's genuinely useful is if someone activates you 
and then they have another fleet elsewhere that they were going to use to do something that you can lock down. So that sounds right. really, really conditional. So is this actually good? I think so. Um, I, I, I think those conditions are, um, you know, you make them sound really specific, right. but they're also really visible, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's very easy to see where it might be useful in your game in particular. And I just want to throw some stats out at you and considering, you know, how frequently this was uh, useful in our games, I think is a really good sign for it. I sold it twice and both times the player that got to use it, they used it to a pretty devastating effect in that it, it really hurt another player. Uh, actually both times, actually I think all three times that we know about it being used, it was used in the exact same way. Someone was aggressive to the player with stymie. They played it and used it to shut down right. their forward dock before they built anything out of it. Mm -hmm. So which wasting was a bunch of beautiful. planets. Yeah, if it, it ends, you can end up making someone like burn all of their planets. Like they just didn't spend anything out of their planets. Um, especially if you can like, you know, they, they the, the, that space dock was the last space dock that they could activate and then you burn it. Like you have literally wasted all of their, their resources mm -hmm. on the ground. Um, the big thing I would say with Stymie is when you trade it out, make sure it's not like a public trade, right? Like the, the key element of Stymie is that it will be a surprise to the other player that gets hit with it. That's sort of what makes if if I give it to Joel Nar, uh and, mm -hmm. and their their other neighbor knows I gave it to Joel Nar, well the other neighbor knows to play around Stymie, and that's when you can actually kind of overcome it right you, you can plan around a stymie if you know the person has that ability so the whole right. point is the secrecy of stymie so my, if i'm going to give any advice it's when you sell stymie make sure it is behind closed doors uh and and that people know a promissory note was traded but they don't know which and they have to question whether or not it is stymie and to that end i would almost say as arborek try to sell promissory notes as much as possible so that everybody is kind of afraid sure. of stymie right like make that a fear the whole table has and you can actually you might get people to take inefficient actions based on the fact that stymie might be out there and they don't know what to do about it and you're right they, they they have to play around yeah. it so they make they make inopportune plays just to avoid getting hurt by stymie yeah and i would say specifically you want to target uh pretty wealthy factions with this card yeah. factions like i mean i really think hakan and jolnar are perfect because they're both rich factions that are a little bit flimsier than some of the big mean boys right. so the idea that you know they're going to be in a situation where they get to use it even in round one it seems pretty likely yeah so yeah uh, alternatively it's a good, too, it's a good one giving it to the neighbor of a faction you know is like aggressive like if you give it to a necro or a sar neighbor that's kind of a safe bet <laughs> that it's going to do something. It's yeah. going to have some effect if you give it to their neighbor because those people are going to be looking for activations. They're a bit more aggressive than normal. And so that, you know, those are mo your most popular targets. Let's talk about their faction tech. Uh, the first one is just an upgrade to their Latani Warriors. Uh, it's it's all the normal stuff. Um, it, it hits one better, but this time it builds two instead of one, right? It's production two. So you double your production. That's a huge mm -hmm. deal. Um, and I feel like we've gone back and forth. I know in the old guide, we kind of like downplayed Latani too, but I think I've come around to it in, in a pretty significant way. Again, nothing is, no tools are great, but I I do like the ability to double my production capacity. Um, I think that's very helpful. And if I get it early enough, that could actually be a really big deal for my mid game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't particularly love it um, for the style 
that I have experimented with the most mm -hmm. with Arborek. Um, if you were going for like some kind of, um, I'm not going to focus on infantry. I'm going to focus on ships from the early game thing. I could see this yep. really paying off, um, two green when all you start with is a red right. is weird yes. to have to get. It so is. yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's weird and rough. Um, and you know, if, if listeners have been listening to this show for a long time, they know I'm more the scrappy player and Hunter's more the, the meticulous kind of get set up and then push out player um so that steady. i think yeah steady is the, the nice is word, word i think um I, I, so i think that's what leads to me liking latani too a bit more is i can play a little bit faster and looser in the early and mid game and maybe make some mistakes but if i get latani too fast definitely enough, make some mistakes I might like be able to cover for sure up. make mistakes let's be real <laughs> make I huge can, mistakes and then but i can maybe cover somehow up those win mistakes in spite of that. with latani too yeah um, but yeah. I, I do think, generally speaking, the, the, the prevailing knowledge is that Latani 2 is maybe a bit win more, though, because you don't, if you get a decent and good uh, production economy going, if you get enough infantry out, you don't need to double it. There's no value there. So it depends on what kind of game you intend to have as your art break and what, what tech path you want to do. Um, I, you know, th there are certain strategies that just don't, I mean, if you're going to go like a yellow, uh, Arborek, you don't you don't need Latani too because you're gonna have transit diodes and you're gonna go all over the place, right? There, there's too many other options that are better, and Latani totally. doesn't do it. But I, I think Latani too is the like I'm gonna push a little scrappy and be a little crazy, but then hopefully turn it around for myself as soon as I get the Latani too. That that's a big ask though. Uh, there's... I have a weird thing to add to this, yeah. Um, and I think it's just like kind of my general mood about Arborek is kind of influencing me to say this, but I think. The way I kind of feel, something that would have, I think, really helped the faction, and the, and this seems kind of rude, but I, I've spent so much time with this game that I feel like I can just say this. If they had started with Production 2 yeah. from the get-go, and then the upgrade kind of gave you something, something else, else. Yeah. like a little, it didn't even need to improve the production from Production 2, just like, I don't know, I, I'm just spitballing here, but I think it would be cool if the way Latani 2 had worked was it doesn't give you more production. It does upgrade the, the combat because it has to do that. Um, but then uh, instead of gen synthesis, meaning that if it succeeds, uh, the, it gets to go back to your home system, which is what all the infantry two right. upgrades do. Right. Um, if it would just allow you to place it on an unactivated planet, that would be very right. cool. So, some trickier tool that actually helps me would have been better. The, the thing yeah. that we are starting to run into with our break, the thing, the trend that is happening is we have this ability to build wherever. And if we get Latani 2, we can build even more. And if we get a bunch of infantry, we can build even more. But that doesn't mean we have more money with which to build. And this doesn't mean right. we have fast enough starts to get to planets to have more money, right? We have a slow start, which means we don't get money very quickly. And then we're expected to build a bunch of stuff. No, I have I have $5. Like, what do you... I'm not going to build <laughs> enough stuff. So it's, it's very difficult to keep up with the amount of production capacity you could get. Uh, having, having the resources to spend... Uh, is the difficult part. Their other tech is called Bioplasmosis. Uh, it is also two green, so it, it's in the same slot as Latani Warrior 2, which is a bit awkward. Uh, and it is at the end of the status phase, you may remove any number of infantry from the planets you control and place them on one or more planets you control in the same or adjacent systems. So this is an unlimited transit diodes, but the destination system is what's limited. So in transit diodes, you take four and only four uh, units, but they can go anywhere you control stuff. 
bioplasmosis is all of your stuff can move, but it can only move one out. So it, it ends up being this ripple effect. You know, you, you, you move... You could ostensibly move almost everything from your home system to all the adjacent systems next to that. Everything that was in those adjacent systems before you started this status phase, all of those move out. So everything just goes one system outward. So you're always just pushing. It's a wave pushing out to the outer reaches of your stuff. And, you know, I, I didn't get to experiment with it very much. I have heard people say, you know, if, if you listen to the uh, fireside chat with Magi, Magi's been really experimenting with bioplasmosis. We had uh, some pre-errata from Man Bear Piglet, and he really talked up bioplasmosis. I think there is something to the style of bioplasmosis. You, you, you can play that way. It's one of your options. It does not mean it is great or better than anything else, but it is one of those options. I think I wouldn't hate it if I was doing a Latani 2 uh, bioplasmosis game. Yeah, I, I all I can do is just kind of express some skepticism that this is actually going to fix any of the problems that you have. I actually think Latani 2 seems to be more helpful to me than bioplasmosis. Yeah. Um, because while this is nice, this actually feels like um, the type of tech that allows you to maybe um, play a little sloppier or a little worse. I feel like it makes more sense to just plan correctly to have infantry where you need them to be yeah. instead of needing that. Like this isn't helping you necessarily like do something concrete that we can just talk about at this point. Right. You know what I mean? Right. To me, it almost sounds more like, well, you can like mess up a little bit more with your infantry or like, you know, use your infantry to take a planet while like retreating some of them back. Right. That's about as concrete as it gets in my brain. Yeah. And, and honestly, like, we could talk about if I had a green skip or something, like would I get neural and then green skip to bioplasmosis? And honestly, I don't even know if I think bioplasmosis is better than Daxiv for Arborek. The idea that I might do a combat and then immediately gain one additional production that turn, like I, I almost like Daxiv more than bioplasmosis in this situation. That's a bit bold. I haven't tested. That is too, it, that is too but, bold. But bioplasmosis I'm just saying, is something you get to use for sure. Well, yes. Daxiv but, is but, but the, conditional. But the problem with bioplasmosis is it is only once per round. And I'm probably mm -hmm. not getting it until round maybe three. Um, so the idea, like, I'm going to use bioplasmosis like three times. Um, and am I getting, how much am I getting out of it? I don't know. That's that's the big question mark. So I, I think bioplasmosis can be okay. Uh, the scenario that uh, man bear pig, piglet uh, kind of set up is just this idea that, like, you kind of have production centers. And then at the end of the turn, uh, you bioplasmosis all kind of out again right is am i getting that right i i don't want to it was hard to understand man bear piglets suggestions um but i i want to give them some credence because they they talked about it very confidently and it sounds like they play they, they said our are one of their top three favorites so i just think it's worth bringing up that there there is a little bit of an idea to this like heavy produce and then wave everything out and then heavy produce the next round i, and I wave think they're definitely out. uh i think there definitely could be something to this yeah um I do feel like in talking about both these faction tech, I feel like in my head, I kind of had two possible applications. And to me, the idea of going light on infantry in the early game and then switching to Latani two mm -hmm. in the mid game to kind of compensate, um, makes more sense to me mm -hmm. from the onset. And then I just kind of realized like if you were to, to go that style, bioplasmosis would then help you, kind of backtrack right, if you've been playing back. kind of a, but the problem, the problem with it though, 
is <laughs> that in this scenario that I'm building in my head, you've left a lot of planets open, which is just generally bad play, I think, just al yeah. almost always, unless you're SAR. Right. Um, and I feel like you may have, it. this might, th this is like a very soft way of fixing that problem because there's no way to, it's not like bioplasmosis lets you like attack planets that someone snuck in and, and, and took from you. Right. So it, I don't know. I don't know. So that, that that overview was was long and intentionally so because from here on out it's it's quite um, tricky territory because uh, our suggestions are going to routinely be like I think this is okay but it's not great. So again, what we really want to do is let's solidify the problems we are consistently trying to solve for with Arborek. Right? We just went through mm -hmm. all the stuff that's bad. Let's talk about how all of that looks in the in the grander scope. You know, if we're looking at the whole bird's eye view of Arborek, what is wrong with us? So the bad start means that we are very, very slow to get our economy going, which means we just don't get to be very relevant in the in the mid game. We're spending we're spending most of our early game just getting to where most factions more or less will start, right? If I'm talking if I'm thinking of like Yin or Barony or something where that's like, you know, Barony starts with plenty of ability to expand and is going to get gravity drive right, right away. They're going to be all over the map with lots of money and they already have a lot of money at home and they're just ready to go by round two. I get to Barony's position by like round four, maybe round three if I got like right. really, really lucky. So you're just, you are already multiple rounds behind any other standardly good faction. Uh, and and I I think if if we had designed Arborek... Um, not that this isn't a criticism, but if if I wanted to, <laughs> this give, is our second time to do. I know, this. I know, but <laughs> but the my, my point is, what you wish Arborek could do is get places and build there really, really quickly, right? Yes. And, and the and the the hindrance should be, but you're not given any economic tools to help you with that, right? If you can get there, great, and and you have the tools to get there, but then then you're on your own. Um, you don't have that. You don't have you. You literally don't have the fast. You 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 can't get there fast enough, and you don't have any extra money to do anything uh, with it. So you literally have to. I mean, I I have seen multiple suggestions from people where it is. Yeah, your first round is going to be terrible. Your second round is probably going to be pretty bad too. You spend the first two rounds not really doing anything, and then round three you get to start actually doing stuff. Um, right. And that's just. A, I mean, Hunter, I think your main thing that we've talked about is like you probably don't score rounds one or two i mean we, we generally don't score rounds one but it really stinks to not score round two and and you seem to take the stance of like you still need to be focusing on your setup before you even think about stretching too far for an objective round two well i i mean no 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 okay. i that that was something i said sure um before i took the stance of i don't know <laughs> i i am but a student sure no i um, I, I get that i i but i i think it's a an opinion that you had that was worth expressing because i think there are games where that's the case i i think there are situations where if you can look at the objectives and see that you can definitely guarantee yourself a swing round later that might be what you have to lean into is the idea that we're not maybe score round maybe um, it, it's almost it, it's impossible to know what when it's like the way that i would consistently play arborek uh, i would definitely agree with what you just said but yeah. the way that i have consistently played arborek has not added up to <laughs> <It's> any wins <laughs> To wins or, or you know, I mean, I I, I have one, I, I have a game, a, a game where it was close. That's about the best yeah. thing that I can say. Um, I, I want to say something about economy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna um, 
throw in a bit of pre errata from uh, Magi, but it wasn't really pre errata. We were just talking, mm-hmm. and he said this, and I thought that this made a lot of sense. So I'm now deciding retroactively that this is pre errata. Um, but Magi says, uh, believe it or not, I think Arborex issue is a production issue, right. not a resource issue. You move two infantry and you go, well, I need two more infantry. Um, and that takes so long to get your production right. up and running. And the problem is that Magi wants to be able to move and produce infantry and produce ships. Right. And right now, it seems like the pro- one of the problems is that in the early game, you're kind of doing one or the other, right. um, especially in round one. Yep. In round two, it, it maybe you can you're getting like well, a ship. Round two you know? depends on what you did round one, basically. Sure. Yes. Totally. <laughs> I, totally. I think there's essentially two paths, and we're going to get into this. We're, we're about to get into strategy cards uh, here, uh, and we're actually going to breeze through them because there's just not much you can do round one. But I think there are kind of two decisions, like two ways you can go about round one, and that is not build enough infantry and build ships instead and sort of protect your space. And then your round two is spent doing the infantry building you would have done round one, right? The flip side of it is I'm not going to build any ships round one. I'm just going to build, I'm just going to get more infantry. And that means round two, I can now actually build more ships. Maybe I'm also going to have to build some infantry too. So by the, by the start of round three, I think both paths maybe more or less get you to the same position, depending on your map layout and all of that. Um, But, I think players have tried both things and not seen either of them work as well as they want them to work. So neither is like the right answer for every game. It depends on what your game looks like. I want to give the example here of the game I played was ridiculous. And it is not an Arborek game that is worth using as evidence for anything. Because I had, adjacent to my home system, two resources. I had two 1-1 tech skip mm-hmm. plans. I had Tarman and Thiba adjacent to my home. So my round one expansion was guaranteed to be miserable, no matter what I did. Like, it just didn't matter, because I was going to gain no resources going into round two. Round two, I was going to have five total dollars to my name. So I decided early on, I'm not going to, like, get the infantry. I'm going to spend every dollar I can. I took trade, right? I I was just like, I'm going to get trade as often as I can and spend every single dollar on plastic and not really have the infantry economy so that I can just keep moving and be relevant in space because if i can't be relevant in space i'm not accomplishing anything i'm not going to score any points i'm never going to do anything i was able to score points round two and three because i had the ships to get my way too low number of infantry places so it's a choice i made and that game you know i i ended up getting we didn't finish the game so none of it it especially doesn't matter but i didn't end in as bad of a position as I thought I was going, as I could have, right? Especially right. considering how bad my slice is, I didn't end the game at three points. I was going to end our game more or less at probably nine points and be a lucky draw away from like being in an okay spot. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I would say the thing about that game though is it's, uh, it's very hard to have any takeaways from, from it that feel particularly relevant. Yeah. To other games, no, exactly. you know what it I mean. It was the most it just situational so set of circumstances ever. But I yes. guess that's sort of the point: is there's nothing that's reliable with Arborek. So sometimes you're going to make calls that seem a little bit crazy uh, because the reliable thing doesn't even work. So why why always stick with the reliable thing when it's not reliably good? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the last problem to just to to kind of get out of the way of expressing is how bad their tech path is or at the very least 
They start with Majin, which is red. This is effectively like a, a Sardak start. They basically start with no tech. Um, and, right. and because you don't have an economy that lets you get tech round one very reliably, or it's very, you know, you have to jump through a lot of hoops to get tech round one, um, we're never going to catch up to the tech game. We're going to be behind basically all game. Um, there's even some games where you just like decide, you know what, forget it. I'm, not, I'm just not going to go heavy on tech. I'm going to get like a couple techs and that's it. I'm just going to hope that those points don't come out or whatever. Um, so you, you are functionally a Sardak that doesn't have like the plus one or more importantly, you have a rough tech game and you don't have anywhere for your tech path to go. At the very least, Sardak has Exotrireme 2s, which are very, very, very good. And right. you have that goal that if you get to it, okay, we, we actually have something we can work with. Arborek starts bad and has nowhere to go that turns things around for you. Right. Yeah, if their faction tech was, you know, really kind of really kind of upped the ante yeah. or, or gave them some sort of extra boost that feel that felt really substantial. I know we talked about the potential Latani too. I just think overall, neither of them really change the math enough yeah. for the tech to, to seem like, oh, well, you definitely, you know, they're both green tech. So it's like, we definitely need to go green. I don't really feel that way. Another thing that we need to talk about before we even get to strategy cards, because this is a really big conversation. It's funny. We haven't even brought it in yet, is that the old wisdom was you got to get sarween and now that has become kind of a wedge issue (laughs) it almost feels like (laughs) for people where you have these like kind of two sides uh you know some people saying that you don't need sarween that sarween is a trap and some people saying like you absolutely need sarween and i know that i used to be very much you need sarween right um, I, none of the ar- the arguments against didn't sound compelling enough for me. However, where I'm at now is I think the arguments for are also not very compelling. Right. So I, I'm just completely uh, in in the dark when it comes to to whether Sarween is actually worth it or not. It's very hard to figure, and I think I I, I think a lot of the arguments either way kind of end up with a lot of problems that I don't feel like I don't feel like they really get solved. Yeah essentially it's like it's like kind of if you go this if you go without it it feels like that's bad and 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 with it also feels bad they they just both feel bad to right me. right let's get into the strategy cards um most of these are are sad uh and and not very good um so let's talk about what is good let's let's talk about what is at the very least reliably good if you were first pick as uh Arborek, if you had the speaker token round one Mm-hmm. You want in almost every situation technology uh, because if you can get it and you can get Sarween right away, that is good, right? Now, if you're if if you can't get tech, that's when Sarween becomes a difficult thing to decide whether or not you want it or not. Um, but if you if you are first pick and you have access to te- uh, technology, you should take it because getting Sarween, like literally your first action should be popping tech and researching Sarween tools. You don't get a second tech. Obviously, you can't afford it. But now, from this point forward, every time you expand, you can build, right? Right. The other advantage of tech is it goes after warfare, which means you have at least a little bit more reliability in the fact that you might not get stalled. Now, you don't have enough ships to never get stalled. If, if warfare holder has lots of stall potential, you could still be in trouble. But at the very least, you can pop tech expand with your carrier send your cruiser out to go trade and then by your fourth action 
that's when ideally warfare will have been popped by. In most games, that's going to be the case, which means then you will be able to have built a second carrier at home with your three uh, three resource home system, and then you can send that second carrier out to expand again. That is like the ideal perfect round one for Arborek. That's like the standard round one. And what you did with both moves is you just built two more infantry on the planets that you went to, right? So, so you have eight infantry at the end of round uh, one, you have an extra carrier, and that's it. And Sarween tools. That's how you end round one. And that is kind of the, like, picturesque, normal, standard Arborek build. Right. Well, I mean, I don't... It's it's cool that, that you described that and, that, and that all makes sense, but... <laughs> We are not saying that that is good. When you say picturesque. What I I, I should say, um, I'll I'll reword it to, that's the uh, prevailing uh, consensus, right? That's that's, that's the way most people talk about Arborek is like, this is something that is at least decently not. I mean, the the whole argument with Sarween Tools with Arborek is other people, Sarween Tools might net them something like four dollars three dollars mm-hmm. actually you're spending four on sarween tools in most cases like consider sarween costing you four bucks uh you need to use it at least four times before it's even become a wash right now i don't subscribe to this line of thinking because sarween tools is also obviously a tech that is in path to other techs so like that has its own value so you can't just say if it didn't net you four dollars it was useless it's like no it got me right. a yellow tech that got me dreadnought too which is quite good so uh i think i'm okay with having sarween tools um but the regardless most people barely break even arborek Every time you activate, you are probably building something, which means you save a dollar every single time you activate, which can be two or three times around, right? So over the course of an entire game, especially if you've got Sarween Tools first time, you could you can effectively make like $12 off of Sarween right. Tools. There's also, there's another aspect to it um, I think that's worth noting, which is like you, you run into this problem sometimes with Arborek of having an awkward amount of production for how many resources you want to spend right now. Yeah. And what I really like about Sarween is it gives you just a little bit more wiggle room. Um, I do not generally like the idea of ever spending one of my planets in order to not build both infantry or both fighters. But due to production limit, there's actually a lot. It's very easy to get into a situation with Arborek where you're like, Ugh, I only have one leftover production. I would love to get some more inventory into this build. Yeah. However, I will have to spend either a trade good or a resource. Now, this is just this isn't necessarily a strategy thing. This is maybe just like a personal preference thing, or just like a it feels bad in my brain, so don't do it thing. What I like about Sarween is that it allows me to uh, essentially, you know, sometimes not do the most optimal build, yeah. get the most out of it, but not actually waste any. Uh, resources, just the opportunity cost of using Sarween, which doesn't seem like that much to give up. However, totally. it's funny for those people that kind of do the Sarween counter type stuff. I'm literally saying sometimes I don't even care about using it optimally, right. which I'm sure if you're on that side, maybe you're like, oh, how dare he? But uh, it, it, there is, I think, something to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not just about the raw output so much as it's like what your um, you know what what your mindset is when you're uh, using production as our barack. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I throw out uh, maybe a slight 
a counter argument just theoretically yeah. to taking tech. Yeah, this is all this is all theoretical anyway. So please, the, do. all theoretical. So <laughs> so something that I had uh, considered, uh, but did not really uh, haven't really seen how well it works um, is the idea of of passing on tech uh, round one and taking trade yep. um, with the uh, kind of a- express purpose of you know. M- getting some trade goods early and starting to build up a little bank of trade goods with, uh, the purpose of eating my neighbor, um, and just saying, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm not even worried. I, I don't even have to get secondary of warfare. I don't even care about that. Yep. All I'm going to do is from the beginning of this game, I am going to move forward, get more infantry so that I have four production next round, get some, Trade goods together, pass on tech. Don't worry about that. Maybe build at home a little bit, just a little something to keep me uh, Alive. safe. Yeah. <laughs> and then next round, I am moving forward towards my neighbor with a production of four and some trade goods going into next round and also presumably whatever resources I get out of the planets uh, that I took. Yeah. And I'm going to build uh, a, a fleet that's too big essentially (laughs) for that player to deal with which is like gonna be true i would say about maybe like half the factions yeah depending on you know not not every you know i don't think i think arbrek is good at eating a neighbor but um uh which is uh i a weird thing to be good at not particularly important to scoring points but uh if you're going to do that I think there are, you know, I would say about half uh, half of the factions out there would be like decent candidates yeah. uh, for this plan. Yeah, um, but I, there's obviously there's a lot to not like about what I'm suggesting. Definitely, but I do think regardless of any of that, trade is definitely your second top pick. Um, right, and it's it's for that reason. I think there's three ways you can deal with trade. Trade is one, the thing you just described, which is just like you know what, let's go eat a sorrel. Bye, Asarl. Sorry. Sorry you wanted to play the game. Not today, though. Um, the second is you can use trade to get Sarween tools. Now, you're not going to get it as efficiently as you want because you're going to have to not get stalled by tech and not get stalled by warfare. So it's not especially ideal. So if anything, for me with trade, what I did in my game, I took trade. Um, I, even, I, I was speaker, but I had such a terrible slice we kind of went over it, but tech wasn't going to do what I needed. Sarween wasn't going to do what I needed. I went Sarweenless in my game and trade was to get me as much money as possible and start getting the fleet on the table. And I think that that has some validity. I think I went too hard in fleet because of my circumstances, but I think what trade can allow you to do is, um, half figure out your infantry and ship situation i think round one you have the toughest call to make which is you're probably moving forward with two infantry and it might be worthwhile to inefficiently build one infantry and one ship which should be like Mm -hmm. a dreadnought right you should have enough money to build a dreadnought with all of this extra cash from trade if anything if i can get enough money i'd love to do that twice right so i'd love to move out in total end the round with six infantry even though i did that kind of inefficiently but then also have two dreads to like be scarier board presence maybe two dreads is too much you probably i've seen plenty of people say you only need the one dread and then you probably should get like another cruiser or something it, it's your game you know you, you figure it out sometimes you have to spend the money on the second carrier whatever it all comes down to the point is you can start 
establishing a fleet presence and and those are like your two options with trade right that's that's if anything what's nice about trade is at the very least it gives you the options to do either one of those two things that and that that's what's reliable about trade whether or not those strategies work out uh, i don't know but trade lets you do the different strategies that are useful from that point forward i don't like any of the strategy cards necessarily um there's an argument for politics which is just you can take trade. Uh, you can take tech round two. Some people say to then also double tech. I don't like it. I think it's a waste of money. I would just get guaranteed get the tech next round. Basically, I eat round one and say it's going to be terrible. But next round, I'm on a tech first action and start doing my Sarween thing, and it's going to be much better. Um, it, that's not ideal. That's not great. Um, the, the other really stupid caveat to to, to politics is uh, sometimes you can get frontline deployment as an action card, which is to get three <laughs> infantry. And hey, when that happens. You, your whole game is in a much better situation, or like Rise of a Messiah. Yeah, or Rise of. Cool I mean, there, there are some action cards that can that can help you out, and you know what? Maybe you happen to get them. That's what pushes politics a little bit above the other options. Uh, hey, maybe you get flank speed, and now you can get, win the race yeah, for Mechatol Rex. Absolutely, there there are a handful so. of things, or even just to the Equidistant or whatever, you can win a couple races with a flank speed. So there's all kinds of action cards that we actually don't uh, we, we would love to have early. So politics is fine. I don't love leadership for any reason I, I there's no tricks to what leadership does for us and we don't have a particularly uh starved command counter economy it's probably just on average right it's just like eh, we use as many command counter like the whole thing is we efficiently use command counters because we don't have to go build at our space docks right we're always building right. on the move yeah so if totally. anything we have an advantage in command counters so leadership isn't necessarily getting us ahead and the only other thing that leadership would do for us is make us not get stalled on warfare, but you're going to be burning basically all of your leadership tokens. So don't love that. Um, so then it's down to, uh, uh, well, there's warfare. Warfare is fine, um, but also difficult to make great use of. Um, you could obviously move your carrier out, then activate home, build your other carrier pull the token and then expand and get as long as you have two good systems adjacent to home that's fine and we're just accepting that we're not going to get tech round one i think is what you have to do because there's no way you're going to get four more dollars um so that's not great it's not ideal but it's something um and it, and it gets you you know i mean gets you just to keep just to keep building my weird theory of like maybe just be mean uh take warfare yeah. move don't build yeah <laughs> it's dumb <clears throat> uh do, do some trading warfare move next to your neighbor next to your neighbor's home system scary fleet and build stuff <laughs> I, you know what i think so i think it's worth it um and then the other situation we have here is um diplomacy versus construction now actually uh we are desperate enough especially if you if you are the player who really wants sarween round one diplo can help you do that and that is why we recommended it in the first guide so i actually think diplo is probably better than warfare and definitely better than leadership and in some situations, better than politics. In this, yeah, in this I, I, it's funny because one of the reasons that we wanted to redo this was because of diplomacy, yeah. uh, because of that recommendation. But I actually think, in some ways, I not and uh, my logic was wrong, but the pick I think was um, not as off no. as I had felt initially. Because well, um, this is a desperate faction. Yeah. I mean, it's like who cares? And, like, and I especially, I mean, old Diplo was even more impossible to use. But with new Diplo, oh, totally, yeah. we can do any two planets, which means we have a much better odds of getting maybe probably like six bucks out of Diplo, right? I, we can redo right. our home system. So, you know, th there's a it's we always run into the timing issues we have with Diplo, which is just like when, how is tech going to come out and then what's going to happen with Warfare and is Diplo going to work with that? I don't know. Um, but 
again, if the advantages we are looking to gain as Arborek is having more stuff than other people, then getting a better economy around one does that, right? And that's what Diplo does. Diplo does that better than politics, better than warfare, and better than leadership. So I, I like it more than all of those. Uh, the last idea is construction. And I'm not a PDS player, um, so I'm, a, I'm not the right person to recommend this. But obviously, we talked about earlier, PDS Arborec is a thought, is a thing that people do. So for some people, construction is like their top get <laughs> round one. So I, I can't speak to that very much beyond the fact that you start with Majin. Majin works well with PDS. You're probably getting Sarween tools. That's red-yellow. So it's just efficient to go for PDS2 and everything and have like a really well-defended slice. You can push a little bit harder on your outer reaches if your whole slice is full of PDS. We already talked about how you kind of have command counters to spare sometimes, maybe. Um, so you can do the secondary construction maybe once or twice throughout the game and get even more PDS. So you can have like a really solidified slice and, and taking construction around one is a decent way to get that started. I don't let's love it. Let's talk about this. Let's, let's talk about this though. Okay. Um, getting space stocks okay. with Arborek. Now that's okay. something kind of outside of the <laughs> general uh, idea. I mean, I, no, I, I think I got this from Magi. I started talking about it yeah. and then I did it in a game and it didn't feel Bad. horrible yeah. to get space stocks as Arborek because one of your problems is that you have a cool ability that is too slow. Right. So getting an early space stock yep. is not the worst idea. So it's kind of like, you have those early infantry, the infantry can, can continue to just kind of reproduce themselves mm -hmm. and your space stocks can focus on putting um, ships in the sky. It's not, you know, it's not the worst thing. It, it feels a little counterintuitive because it, it's like, isn't my advantage right. supposed to be that I can produce but you on don't the go, have so that I don't advantage space stocks. round one and two. So this is essentially not a long-term solution this is a short-term solution this is yeah if this I put is my space helping stock, me get yeah. to the mid game and late game faster exactly. that's what i like about it uh if, if i put my forward dock out it's not it's for round two right it's so that round one i'm just getting more infantry round two my infantry are continuing to get more infantry but while they're doing that i can also get like three ships out of that space dock uh and yeah and for that reason i think it helps your round three a lot so yeah we kind of walk through all of those and I don't, I mean, none of them are very good. You're going to have a bad round one. You're probably not going to have a very good round two either. Um, and that's just part of our break. But trade and tech are definitely what gets you the furthest along. Um, and, and more right. importantly, open up the most doors to you. Um, every other pick is like, well, now we got to like make up a plan. Whereas trade and tech is like, okay, here are the plans I now have access to. Can I, uh, can I say some galaxy brain stuff yes, real please. quick? Uh, take Imperial. Why not? Uh, <laughs> get a here's, here's, yeah. I got two reasons for you. Go ahead and get an extra secret yeah. that maybe everyone else can't afford to follow because they're too busy thinking about warfare and, and tech. Um, and also don't get stalled out on warfare. Yep. You know, if you're, if you're a late pick and you're not going to get the things that, yes. that you want, maybe just take Imperial and be like, I'm not getting stalled out, uh, of, of warfare. I want warfare. I want to be able to get that second carrier out. And just take the eight, man. Hunter, I, I don't know. I think Why you're not? crazy, but looking at my game the other day, if if I had been last pick in my game with my terrible, terrible slice, I would have done Imperial for exactly the reasons you just described. Which and is, here's the thing, I, too. I, my whole goal later was to take Mechatol Rex. And the yeah, problem exactly. with taking Mechatol Rex is now you're not going to draw 
um, uh, you're not going to draw secret objectives if you're taking Mechatol and trying to get Imperial as often as possible. That is yeah. where I'm going to try to make up points as Arborek because I can lock down Mechatol Rex pretty well. But I don't want to sit on only one secret objective all game. That's terrible. It's a horrible position to be in. And if I had had an extra secret objective just right off the top, that actually would have opened up my ability to have more of a plan elsewhere besides Mechatol Rex. Yeah. And, and yeah. I would have relished in that ability. You know, and the counter argument to this, I feel like, would be that Arborek sucks at secret objectives. But guess what, bud? Arborek sucks in general. So here's the thing: you take Imperial, you say, "I'm not. I'm gonna get to do the warfare secondary. That's cool." You also say, "Hey, maybe I'm gonna draw a secret objective. I can do right. And if I can do it." then maybe uh, some more good luck things will happen yep. to me and I will end up winning this game, exactly. okay? You need to play them like they suck. Right. That's, that's what I'm really trying to tell you. You need to play them like they suck because they suck. You're playing with seven deuce and that means you do weird stuff. You, you make weird yeah. calls. I don't know what that means, but go <laughs> ahead. That sounds great. It's a poker analogy. All right, let's talk about tech. I, man, okay, we could sit here all day um, and, and hash stuff out. Let me tell you, we're not gonna. No. I'm, not do- I'm, it, I'm not doing it. None of it. None of it is great, so let's. I, I really do want to burn through these options. So the main thing is we are starting with the idea that in most games we are probably getting Sarween tools. Uh, it just it helps enough things, and what we're doing with Sarween tools is using that in the early game to probably use our money elsewhere. We're probably using our money to get Sarween tools in the first place, and then just making sure we get the infantry down so that we're always leaving infantry behind, but also moving forward with infantry. Um, what we don't generally, now I'm going to have a caveat to this later, but what we don't generally like as Arborek is having two infantry, picking up those two infantry, moving forward, and not leaving anything behind uh, to protect the planets or whatever. That that stinks, and we're not getting ahead anywhere. So we really want to get the free infantry down and start building that up. So that's why we like Sarween tools, right? So then from there, we have multiple tech paths options that are all terrible and we don't like we want to get as little tech as physically possible period um yeah i, I want to say something about going uh without sarween though real yeah. quick before we get into the paths um if you're gonna go without uh sarween i think uh it totally right now i think it's kind of the underdog in the debate yeah. but um that doesn't mean that it's not correct right um a counter for going without sarween for me would be making sure that I always have some trade goods with yep. me. Um, and the reason I say that it's is because you can get around that problem of having your production and the kind of denomination of resources that you have in front of you being a problem. Uh, Sarween really smooths out that problem as I've kind of already talked about at length. And it is like kind of my favorite thing about Sarween mm-hmm. for Arborek. Now, scratch that. I don't have any more favorite things <laughs> when it comes to Arborek. Um, but if you're going to go without... Make sure get, you have trade get yourself some trade goods yep. in in the yeah. bank and keep them. Don't I, spend I actually, them on objectives. Keep them to get infantry. I'm going to have a whole Sarweenless spiel here in a minute, and it includes what you just said. So we're going to come back to that cool. point. Um, cool. But what is with Sarween? What is probably the most optimal path is blue red. From that point forward, we already have a red. Right. We we are getting mm-hmm. a yellow. So now we have red yellow. We could get PDS two whenever we want at this point. But let's look at else. If we have a blue skip. We want gravity drive as fast as possible. We want gravity drive mm-hmm. round two because we want to get places. Uh, we also would love to, if again, if we have that blue skip carrier two is going to be useful. 
uh, we have the blue skip and we have a blue tech and we have a yellow tech. That means we can get Dreadnought too, which is just great across the board. Uh, we can always get Plasma. And if we're investing a little bit in PDS, that's going to improve those. We can get the PDS too. And Plasma is going to open up Destroyer 2 for us. And Destroyer 2 is a great upgrade that is underutilized. And specifically with Arborek is uh, if we start getting lots of production capacity, we can start fitting destroyers into our build kind of at any moment right if we have eight infantry in a system like i can i can throw destroyers in there i i think the main reason in a lot of games i don't end up building destroyers is because i'm trying to spend all of my money on the chunkiest units i can and i don't you know spending a dollar eats up my production capacity and i'm not going to be able to build all the other stuff i want to build but arborek you can easily round out any fleet with destroyers and if they're destroyer twos they're going to be incredibly effective yeah um, I, I honestly, I have so little to add yeah. when it comes to tech paths that I don't even well, really and, know. And, and as, what it, th this is a thing. It sounds like a thing. It's, Could, it's maybe a thing, and it's, work. it's the biggest thing is it opens up the most upgrades for you. So there's a world where you are not getting two and two colors, but you can get both of the upgrade techs, right? Even without getting plasma, you can get if you if you have the blue skip again. It's kind of predicated on that. Getting anti mass is a bit of a slow path. You can do it but it's it's certainly not ideal um but with the blue skip gravity drive into dreadnought 2 carrier 2 and either destroyer 2 or pds 2 whichever uh suits your game is that's a very that's light right that's very tech light that's we have not researched mm -hmm. that much tech uh and it, it opens up the most doors for us also the whole thing with this blue red is we can decide the pds 2 or the destroyer 2 route kind of whenever and everything else is opening up our options across the board we have carrier twos with gravity drive they can carry lots of stuff very very far Right, that gives us options in the late game to go take planets, uh, but we can always also get our PDS two to protect back at home. It just gives us the most well-rounded slice in general. Uh, our other option for tech path is to go even more um, leaning into these defenses, and that's to do red yellow. Uh, I think red yellow is best if we have a yellow skip, uh, because the idea with red yellow is we don't have very much movement. Right, we're not getting that gravity drive, so. Uh, we are getting, we start with our Majin, we're getting our Sarween, we're getting PDS2 as fast as possible because we want to protect our slice as fast as possible because we're we're slow rolling everything, but also all of our ships are always on the perimeter of our territory, right? Like we're not holding that much behind, everything is forward trying to slowly take because the only way we're going to get stuff because everyone else beat us there is if we have more stuff than them. So we are leaving very few units behind and protecting with PDSs. Uh, the other way we make sure we're keeping up with everything is that yellow skip lets us get transit diodes rather than getting graviton laser systems. Although with a good PDS network, obviously graviton is always not too bad. And depending on your neighbors, you might want it. I like to skip to transit because then our infantry that we build kind of all over the place can always get warped around to where we need them. So we can always be pushing on the front lines. It's just that slow steamroll all game that never stops. Uh, and then we also have the option of if we wanted to, if we needed to go deeper in tech, I, I think in some games you stop right there. You just say, I'm not getting any more tech. I got Sarween, Transit, and PDS2. Done. Rest of money spent on units at the front lines. But you have the option of Plasma into Destroyer 2, which helps. And, of course, I just want to bring up that this is the world, too, where if we have a red skip and we got Plasma, because we have a good PDS2 network, you are one red skip away from War Suns, and we aren't 
starving for command counters, and building a war zone at the front lines isn't the worst thing in the world, but again, our economy probably can't support a war zone, so it's not like I'm actually suggesting war zones, but we're playing the fun faction that's bad, so let's do the fun bad thing. <laughs> what do you say? What do you say, team? I just want to say for the record, I do not really co-sign any of my co-host statements <laughs> in this section. Like, you've been going for a while now. I am, I'm not going to interrupt you, but I do not... This is not us both saying that these, this this is one of those moments where matt is just talking these are options uh, that's all i'm saying yeah these are just yeah options. um i will uh, one little nugget i would like to throw in is this uh this red yellow i think intrigues me a little more if we maybe throw may, maybe you know we don't i don't think you need to worry about getting two tech and two colors to be honest i yeah. think i think what you need to worry about is being uh building yourself uh in such a way as to you could score objectives that maybe haven't even appeared yet. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. just kind of say like, all right, uh, I'm going to eat my neighbor. If conquer the week comes out, then I will do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> maybe win, maybe not. Um, stuff like that are, those are kind of the gambits that I feel like. And I think this red, yellow, um, this red, yellow path could be uh, a little more effective if we threw cruiser two yeah. in uh, and neural just for some balance, yeah. just for the the ability to say, hey, you know what? Um, I, I I went into my neighbor's slice, and now and and it could maybe even be a late game thing. Maybe like halfway through the game, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna switch on cruiser two, and now all of a sudden I can make a play for um, a control objective. Yeah. You know, a stage two control objective came out, and hey, I'm in my neighbor's slice, uh, and now with cruiser twos, I can go even further and blah blah blah, get this here yeah. or whatever. You know, what have you. Uh, that's just something I wanted to throw in there. I do feel like uh, War Sun is is a bit a, step too far. a bit rich, yep. but th I think it is valid what you said about like uh, I don't know that you know one of the things where we don't have a specific problem is command counter economy, but that's also one of the hardest things to speak to yep. in these guides in general because that is heavily dependent on your slice. Obviously, oh, you will have a command counter problem if you have a bad slice. Yeah. So. Um, Hunter, the thing you just described is what I'm what I'm calling green red. Now, green red is a bad tech path if we're talking two and two colors. But if I don't mm -hmm. have the yellow skip, that's when I forego transit diodes, and I'm probably going to try to get cruiser two instead. Because if I lose transit diodes, it means I'm not swarming my infantry wherever I need them, which means now I just need the fastest ships possible to get my stuff everywhere. So without the yellow skip, I think it's definitely. Um, you did Sarween, and then it's Neural into Cruiser 2, into PDS 2 to protect behind, and then whatever else from there. I, I wrote down Plasma and Destroyer 2 because it would be nice if my two cruisers were being uh, joined by a Destroyer 2 that can soak a PDS hit, and also potentially if there's actually a little bit of a fleet there or like a couple fighters protecting a space dock that I want to steal, two Cruiser 2s and a Destroyer 2 could actually deal with that um yeah so uh, i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna say this though <laughs> the only reason i wanted to bring in cruiser 2 is to give us some versatility and yeah. what i like about transit plus cruiser 2 right. is that i feel like i'm now you know possibly taking infantry from the front line back to uh you know a small cruiser fleet that i just built right. over here uh that is now going to make a play all the way on the other side of the if map if i basically. i would i would agree with that if i had a green skip i don't want to get I don't, I don't necessarily want to do i mean neural helps more action cards is nice but if i had the green skip i would absolutely get 
uh, cruiser two as a part of my red yellow path um, for that versatility for for all the reasons you just described, and it's a little bit faster. Yeah, too. I think it's a, it's a lot of tech. We, it's a lot exactly, of tech to we say. have to play so tight that I just don't think we can afford very much tech at all. So we're like super super well, reliant on tech skips. I'll say this: I think plasma is optional. Yes, depending on how we're doing Agreed. it. Like I I don't know how necessary plasma is right. in in any of this. So I would almost say, um, I I would if I you know. If I were going to do a tech path for this, you know, which I'm not, but let's say I were going to, it could maybe be something like, you know, if we have a yellow skip, it would be like PDS2, Transit, Neural, Cruiser 2. Yeah. And then that's it, right, maybe. Right. Like, that would maybe be a path yeah. that I would consider. I think so. Um, okay. So, the last one I want to talk about here is Sarween List. And this is where we're really in, like, hot take territory. Um, the biggest, the, there's the two things I'll say about Sarween List gotta have a blue skip it is a requirement if you don't have a blue skip very early on like if you if the first planet you take isn't a blue skip i don't think you get to do this and two like hunter said earlier a while ago trade has to be a factor in this like you you taking trade round one is probably what you're doing or at the very or you're taking it round two but like you have to have trade goods to make this work Mm-hmm. So this is our blue-green path. Now, I think blue-green can work for Arborek in other situations, but I just don't like it because I'm trying to play as tight as I possibly can with tech. I do not want extra tech in any uh, realm. In fact, I did blue-green, and I had a blue and a green skip in my game. Now, I actually never really ended up using the green skip, which is why I'm kind of like, you know what? If I'm actually being strict on tech, I don't need the green skip at all because my blue-green is is very, very, very minimal. And here's what it is. I skip to gravity drive as fast as possible. And the reason I want gravity drive first is because I really want to go try to take something from that's distant. And especially sometimes my slice necessitates gravity drive just to be able to like accomplish any goals in any amount of time. I need gravity drive. So my goal is to research tech round two and get gravity drive. And I, and I don't get any tech round one. I just build units. Uh, and then after gravity drive, it's neural Basically, this tech path is ignoring the fact that we have Majin, and it's ignoring Sarween tools. Uh, because after Neural, I can get Fighter 2 if my whole thing is I'm going to try and reliably build infantry, which I didn't in my game, but I could have turned that around into also building good fighter swarms. And the whole idea of blue-green is carrier twos with lots of fighters and infantry, right? So grab drive into Neural, into Fighter 2, into use my blue skip again to get carrier two. Maybe that's where we stop, but you have the option of green skipping to Latani 2 or Dax of an Latani 2. I probably wouldn't do the Dax of an Latani 2, but if I had the green skip, I would skip to Latani 2 because I'm probably still somewhat behind on my production capacity, and Latani 2 is what's actually going to set off my Fighter 2 swarms, Mm -hmm. right? That's how I'm going to suddenly start building loads and loads of fighters. So I I get Fighter 2 as early as possible, if anything, just to gum and protect my slice a tiny, teensy little bit. Not not very well, but it helps maybe. Um, But then as soon as I get Latani 2, it's like, all right, time to start going crazy on Fighter 2s. I want to throw something in here, a little addendum to this one. Um, What about, and this is just an idea, uh, you we forget about Latani too. That's that's yeah, like too, too much, yeah, I, yeah. too far, too too much for us to get. And I think it solves the problem too late because the problem you're going to run I into agree. with this obviously is production limit. Yeah. It's not resources. This is a cheap. These are cheap fleets. Yeah. But the fact that we're going to be able to pump out that many fighters, it's hard. Throw a space dock down. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I think so. Throw a space dock down, and then look at your how quickly your production limit 
is going to be aided by right. that. You know what? Round one, you might be able to just do the secondary construction because like I just said, we're not doing tech round one. Uh, yeah. We probably have trade. We are trying to do the secondary of warfare and we can probably throw that forward dock down as as our second um, action. I think I would have, if I had had a better planet to do it on, if my slice hadn't been as garbage as it was, I would have relished a, a forward dock uh, right in front of my home system just, just to help with round two and three. Um, so yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that. This is the trade and construction secondary techless round one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and and blue greens again. None of this works. None of none of the things we've described today work. But you know what? They might be more fun, and it might work with the slice that you're given. These are all just the different options you might have. You got to look at what you have and decide from all those. I'll just go over them one more time of what it was: blue, red, red, yellow, greenish red, or more probably more what Hunter described, which is really just like cruiser two, right? Green, red, yellow. And then this crazy blue green. We're going Sarweenless. I wanna the one other thing I want to say about Sarweenless is, and if you listen to the Magi interview with Alec, the fireside chat, you will have kind of already heard this argument. But the whole idea, the reason we're saying maybe we don't need Sarween is instead of spending the money on Sarween, and instead of spending time on Sarween, we can just get the tools that help us take more planets and get a better economy. Sarween is an economic tool, and it works. But could gravity drive getting us more planets be better for our economy in the long run? It is a sort of intangible thing to describe. Like Sarween, you can just kind of count up some raw numbers. Gravity drive, I don't know what planets it will gain you access to. I don't know what abilities you'll be able to do by having more fighter swarms to protect your stuff but there is a world where you get better economic advantages because you went and took more stuff because you didn't kind of waste your time with the slow roll that is sarween tools yeah i i it's it's so hard to hypothetically evaluate the argument for or against sarween mm -hmm. um because i think there's a tendency to make it it, it too simple because it's not to me just about the raw uh, numbers of it. Yep. It's also about what are you doing in the world where you get Sarween? How are you spending your money yep. versus the world where you don't get Sarween? Right. Both of them have tough answers to to make. Basically, Sar Sarween has the advantage of like you're saying, Hunter. You kind of just like get the free infantry down, and and your first two rounds are not very much plastic advantage, but you're building up your ability to get that plastic advantage suddenly in round three, right? Mm -hmm. Round three, you just like pop down a bunch of stuff. Hopefully you get enough resources to do that. The flip side right. of it is I am not doing Sarween so that I can get the resources to build stuff. But the big question mark is, do I get the production capacity for that to be worth it? And bo both are, both have those uh, Achilles heels to them. So one, uh, I, I want to throw in, this would be our third suggestion or like as if we were designing the game and changing it. <laughs> if I could, I, I think the intention, you know, obviously if I were to take away Majin from Arborek yeah. and give it something else, I, I feel like I wouldn't want to give them something too good, right. right? But I've always thought Majin was just a weird tech yeah. for them to start with. Even thematically, yeah. I'm just kind of like, why? But how about you take Majin away from Arborek, give it to Necro, right. take Daxiv away from Necro, yep. give it to Arborek. Love it. Now, Arborek have Daxiv. Daxiv's not that good of a tech, but it's a green, right? Yep. And and one of the reasons that I feel like, like I love 
um, the idea of blue green arborec. Yeah. I think the idea of them eventually getting to them being like a swarming carrier two fighter two faction is awesome. And I think the main reason that you don't see it that often, that is hard to pull off and, you know, potentially not even worth the investment is just the fact that they start with a red. It's really that yep. that's really it. It really slows them um, down and it doesn't yeah. do much for blue green. Yeah, I totally agree. Me necro starting with Majin would be so great too because it's like it's Necro. They're going to get whatever tech they want and them getting Majin right. means it's like eh, whatever, who cares. Let's transition here. Now normally we would start talking about uh trading in meta, but there's just not much to say. There's not a lot of like new trading uh, that that Arborette can do, and we've kind of already talked about the new stymie um, and what to do mm -hmm. with it. I think we've we went over that really, really good. So I actually just want to skip to the mid game. Well, I oh, go I ahead. got one thing okay. I want to throw in here. Please do. Um, and this is just kind of consistent with uh, my thoughts on uh, Sardak Nor. Um, you are in a difficult spot, especially at the beginning of the game, and and really just generally, I would say you're in a difficult spot. So I would say that maybe don't play the trading game too uh, too careful. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe play it a little more risky because there's really no there's I don't know. I mean, just you have nothing to lose. You got you have to make up yeah. ground. So like, get money where you can get it. Trade. You know, here's what I think about it too: is Arborek. I won't. I can't think of any really specific things that Arborek runs into in the agenda phase that really hurt their feelings. Right. I mean, so, like, okay, we, we we sometimes like to be a Mechatol faction, so Ixthian Artifact isn't very fun. Um, but beyond that, there's nothing that is obviously targeting Arborek. And so I'm, I'm not afraid of selling my political secret if it somehow gets something from somebody. Um, we talked about uh, the ways to do Saimi. Uh, again, we want to sell our promissory notes as often as possible just to hide the fact that we've traded Saimi. Uh, so... I think, yeah, I think you're just trading everything away. I, th I think you're trading the whole house in the kitchen sink just to get any sort of economic advantage you possibly can. Your support for the throne. Um, I don't care about waiting for the support swaps. Yep. Uh, do them. It, it doesn't. Who cares? Yeah. I, it doesn't matter. Uh, and honestly, people kind of want to be your support buddy because, like I've kind of been saying over and over, one of the only things that I think Arborek is good at particularly is is um eating a neighbor uh and and when i say eat a neighbor i mean you pretty much have to plan to do it from the onset yeah, right. so the idea of you looking at your neighbors and being like okay so on my right i've got you know the barony of letna uh -huh. and on my left i have you know uh winu <laughs> so i'm gonna support swap a barony yeah. and i'm gonna bully winu yeah. like that that would be a really good setup Right, I think, and hopefully Barony takes you up on that support swap. Who knows? I mean, that that, that could actually just be a difficult negotiation, I mean, but it's possible. Even, even a Barony, anyone would would not like to have a mean Arborek yeah. digging into them. Right. Barony could probably deal with it definitely better than Winu could. Um, honestly, Matt, um, it's funny because I just remembered this uh, from this hypothetical. Uh, that game, the only game that I've ever won as Arborek was actually you were my neighbor and you were playing as Winu yep. and it was that game very early on where you actually pulled off the Winu opening. Yep. It was your first time playing Winu. However, 
I dug into your slice and and, and took your home system well, like round three or something. Yes, like and that. remember too, that's the same game where I did I did the opening. Yes. And then my space dock on Mechatol Rex was immediately reactor meltdowned. So my opening right. was made completely useless, and then you were able to dig into my slice because I didn't get to yeah. do the production oh, okay. center out of Mechatol. The whole point was my was next round was gonna pop off and and re collect my slice and i didn't get to and then you swallowed me up <laughs> yeah but yeah so that's the uh, the only time I've, and that's why i keep going back to that is that the only time i've ever won was because i ate a slice and that ended up working out yeah. that's obviously not always gonna work out right. but that's that's the only thing i have that i'm kind of clinging to here yeah well and, and and all of that feeds into uh, the the mid game directions that we can go into, which is one of them being like you just described, eat a neighbor, go do it, go have fun and take up everything. The other is go get Mechatol Rex. There's almost no world where you beat anyone to Mechatol Rex, and honestly, you probably don't want to because you you don't have the early fleet to support it. But you mm -hmm. can build up and then go take Mechatol Rex from somebody else who probably wasn't able to defend it well enough. And if you go there with the right stuff. You can go there with like five infantry and then immediately build five more infantry and have that be you, you are not limited to the bad production capacity of Mechatol Rex. Right. And if as you take it, you can immediately make it untakeable. You can just hold Mechatol Rex all game. And then at some point, you're probably going to get access to Imperial. So you can get at least one Imperial point. Ideally, throughout the game, you might be able to get two, depending on how early you take Mechatol. Um, so right. I, I think Mechatol Rex is actually a major part of Arbor X game if you set up correctly for it. But there are plenty of games where you go for it and you leave too much behind or you, you know, whatever. You, th there's, there's plenty of ways to mess up Mechatol. It's not a guaranteed thing for you. But if you take it with the right amount of stuff, you can very easily hold it. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to push back a little bit on the tone of what you said, yeah. but not necessarily what you were saying exactly. I don't think it's a slam dunk for them by any means. No. I don't even think they particularly hold it that well. I think theoretically they should. But the problem is that there's too many, you know, it's like Arborette can get a bunch of infantry on Mechatol Rex, but when they do it, they become a threat to the table. Yeah, yeah. And the problem with that is that there's actually way too many ways for the table to yeah. do something about it. Yeah. And they'll either um, do something about it in the rest of your slice or they will all do something about Mechatol. Like they will all start jumping on it and you'll be in trouble. So, and yeah. Ar it's like two, it's like you can't, I, I feel like Arborek is one of those factions that like they have a cool thing they can do on Mechatol Rex, but they can't stand the heat. Yeah. Like I would say, just to say something nice about Muat, uh, Muat is better. Yeah. The, the a war sun is much better leverage for being like i'm gonna hold mechatol rex and it's because um while the whole table could be like we're all gonna try and destroy this war sun you can only fight a war sun one at a time yeah. whereas infantry can be whittled down from like a bunch of different angles right. there can be bombardment there can be uh just actual just uh straight up invading you know 1v1 knife fights yeah. for it plague could come out right. There's so many things yeah. uh, that could ruin your day, even with a healthy number of infantry on on uh, Mechatol Rex. Yeah. Um, so we we also uh, you already made your point about the the space docks thing, and that that's a thing that can help your mid game more specifically, like round three exactly, right? Like the the early space dock helps round two and three, which I I would call early mid game. Um, does that get us into the late game? I mean, I I don't know that there's. It doesn't. It doesn't give us a secure position in the late game. And honestly, from that point forward, I don't. I, I can't say anything for certain about Arborex late game. 
Um, uh, mostly because we've we've had to leave too many options on the table in this guide. I don't know which tech path, tech path you went. I don't know if you did a Mechatol thing. I don't know if you went for your neighbor. Um, so let's talk about what just is difficult about the late game, and that's driving home the point that you are bad at a lot of stage twos, and you're bad at a lot of secret objectives. And this is why the late game is very difficult for you, because those final point swings are usually where Arborek just doesn't can't find the solutions right this this is when everyone kind of gets to five points you included and then everyone starts getting ahead of you and you don't know what you're doing wrong but you can't find the points and it's because just everything's difficult i mean two tech secret objectives are bad for you uh the planet control ones in theory wouldn't be that bad but again we didn't get anywhere first so we have to get there with muscle how much economy did we spend on that? You know, the stage ones, if, if there was a spend eight resources, we didn't build enough ships to go just steamrolling our opponents, right? We don't just get to go take whatever planets yeah. we want. So it's not like we're going to get six planets of a trait as our Breck easily. We also, in plenty of our tech paths, might lack the necessary movement to even get to the planets we need to get to. So those can actually be quite difficult, despite the whole point of our faction is that we're supposed to be good at having I really planets. like that point, because it can appear that this would be a faction that's really good at control objectives. Yeah. But, y you know, it's it's like you said, uh, the way that Arborek accomplishes control objectives a lot of the times is not necessarily through mobility, but it's just through raw muscle. Yeah. And TI is not really... It's just the whole, the whole game itself has always been, I think, about aggression, not actual yeah. combat. Right. You know, it's like the more you're fighting, actually, that's bad, just in general. Exactly. Like, well, and here's the um, way to look at that, I, I think. So it's, it's an easy case to make with Sardak, right? Like, fighting is bad, so don't don't lean too heavily on the plus one. With Arborek, it's fighting's not good, and you're not inherently good at fighting. What you're supposed to be good at is getting units, right? But because you're given no economic advantages... Everything economically that gets in the way means you aren't doing any of the things that you're good at. Again, if if spend eight resources or even in some cases spend eight influence, spend five trade goods, even the command counter ones, because you have to invest so heavily in command counters to make it happen, all of those are economic things. Tech is included in this because tech generally costs you money you don't have. Every dollar you don't spend on a unit is taking away your ability because your ability is to have units where people otherwise wouldn't have been able to build units. That's the only ability that you have is units where you didn't expect them to show up. But I only get those units with money and most players have to spend money on points. So every Arborek game feels like a choice between points or units. And I think this is where Hunter and I, uh, you know, if you listen to uh, our intro to last to the last episode, uh, Alex uh, interview, we said we were fighting. Our big fight was about Hunter thinking you had to completely give up on points and like get build up so that then later you can take points. And my theory with that has always been, but then I just never get points and I never catch up. So I go the other way. I try to get all the points that I can, and then I have nothing in the late game. And Arborek always does one or the other. Right. Well, except for. I did not actually intend on... That is not ac my actual position no, okay, in this episode. Sure. No, no. In this yeah. episode, I know. I'm saying in our argument that we had, that's what we were talking through. And I, right, I just right. think it I think it helps spell out what the issue with Arborek is. Is every time you play as them, you are deciding between points or having any sort of board advantage. And I don't mean board advantage of just like, I want to play Space Risk. I mean, literally, you don't have an ability if you don't get a board 
presence. You don't, you just yeah. don't, it doesn't exist. You, you not only do you not have a board presence, like this is the difference at the top of this episode. We said in some ways they're worse than Winu. This is how they're worse than Winu because at the very least at Winu's worst, they're a vanilla faction at Arborex worst. They can't build space or they can't build infantry. <laughs> they don't, they don't get to have those. <laughs> That's how they can't bad build infantry out of their space. Stock. Yeah, you yeah. can't build infantry out of your space stocks, and so you literally only have negatives if you have uh, floundered. If something has failed, or for consider you. consider this. This this is kind of like a a very kind of telling aspect of Arborek. Um, if you just break down, like not necessarily thematically, but just like what is it they're supposed to be good at, it really kind of just adds up to being exactly like the clan of sar but worse in every way you could imagine <laughs> yeah, you know what i mean exactly. like it just lacks all of that utility and and it's really you know you're really harping there on the like the problem is uh you know an economic one uh i i agree i think i think the production cap is even worse yeah. like that that's even a bigger issue right well that it's than, it's than the economic stuff. but, but i just yes. I, I just want to um with the sar they're a faction with a very, very similar hook that they specifically gave an economic advantage exactly. to. They specifically chose, we're going to give you a trade good every time you take a planet. Why, uh, now, there's a, there is some thematic justification for that, but like, why can't Arborek like, harvest the resources of that planet and turn it into a trade? You know what I mean? Right. Like, you, you could have just as, ju just as easily given that type of ability to Arborek, which makes this our fourth kind of like designerly <laughs> complaint, well, which is just to be fair to Dane, Dane, you, you've done a great job. I, I, I don't know if there's any, if anyone's like, does, does Hunter think Dane did, did a bad job? Absolutely. Not. Obviously I do not think that. I think Dane did a wonderful yeah. job. I just, it's just, they're a frustrating faction and it's hard to figure them out. They're still fun somehow. Yeah. I think that's the nicest thing I can say about them is that this faction has all these problems yet at the end of the day, it's still kind of they fun to play They are them. without a doubt the most fun faction to score five total points with. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I, I mean that earnestly. Like, people say that about Extra yeah. too, but I don't even find Extra that fun, <laughs> and I only get five points. Arborek, I can only get to five and be like, man, that was a pretty good time. Like, I, I got to be scrappy. I built stuff where people weren't right. planning on it. I You know, I, I, I made the best of a bad situation, um, but I, got, I scored no points, and that's fine. I don't feel that way about other factions where I have those issues, right? I'm not good at Sardak. I'm definitely not good at Extra, and I don't have fun with those. But Arborek, I had a really fun game and enjoyed every moment of it. Yeah. Yeah, they're they are um super intriguing, especially early on with uh TI. And I think it's just really wild that we had the base game for so long and here we are at kind of the end of that journey, and I don't feel like we really figured them out. Yeah. And also I don't really feel like they were really that figured out in the community, not to say that, you know everything i've read i'm not trying to when i say that's that i don't mean failing like, on the community that's a failing on no. arborek <laughs> right right yeah, arborek yeah, yeah, let yeah. all of us down we have all tried everything we can and no one has come up with the answer that actually solves it and if you are listening to this just being like no you guys don't get it i've got this thing i think at this point uh, what i want is uh the the proof yeah. i i, I want to see a game i want to see a game i'll watch a whole i never like what i play so much twilight imperium i never get to really watch that much right. um 
I would love to watch an Arborek game where at the end of it you win. Let's, so well, let's make put, that let's video. Let's put an extra thing on it too. It's not just that you won because again we have at least one game where somebody won, but they are willing to admit that they won through some of like really crazy goofy shenanigans. I sure. want a game Something where repeatable. your exact strategy of Arborek, the things you in, intended to do, are what led to you winning, not weird yeah, other well, happenstance. I'm confident enough to say that I I don't really think that exist yeah. however i still would just like to see i mean think think about how crazy that is i know so much go to our youtube there is so much twilight imperium on that thing it's crazy how much you can watch and we don't have a single arborek win on that whole dang thing that's crazy <laughs> so i i will say this like i agree with the point that matt just made but also i just want to see one see because one. technically you know that Arborek game from our tournament that we don't have a video for, maybe that happened, maybe that didn't. There's no video, okay? <laughs> so I just have to take everyone's word for it. Now, I believe everybody. However, they could have been lying, okay? They, they let could have someone been, progress in the tournament just because because they felt like it. could it. have been a conspiracy. Knows, I don't know how deep it goes. Maybe the moderator got involved. It could have been some pretty deep corruption could have happened. I would have no way of knowing. But I'll, but I'll tell you this, that there's no proof that they've ever won a game yeah. like li like proof proof right no proof everywhere anywhere that i can find yeah well uh, what i'm amazed by is that we somehow managed to talk about this bad of a faction for this long uh hey, and that's and, our and whole thing <laughs> but it's time to turn it over to some errata All right, welcome to uh, the errata part. Um, this uh, we, we didn't have a whole lot of errata on Necrovirus. They're just too to be good. They're, they're I mean, everyone just knows, like, yeah, everything works, so it's all yeah, it's all good. And also, like, we did kind of we kind of jumped on errata uh, from the beginning and kind of said like, man, like like don't give us errata with this flavor. <laughs> right. And I think everyone mostly uh, played along with that, so that's great. Um, here is uh, a pretty good piece uh, from Totally Calculating Poet. Um, I thought the agenda section, I thought about the agenda section a lot and thought overall that the advice in the episode was really good. Uh, but there's one scenario that comes up all the time in my experience as Necro, which I thought you should cover. If the table is unified entirely on uh, one side of an agenda, if Necro puts their prediction on that side, often the other players will all abstain allowing the speaker to break the tie since nobody voted necro won't get tech even if their prediction came true there isn't a lot you can do to prevent this other than bribing someone to break ranks but it's good to be aware aware of and try to prepare for now it this was a good piece of errata because uh poet kind of included our part yeah he too, did, did all the work would be to say, you, poet <laughs> wonderful yeah. points all around <laughs> yeah so 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 i would say there was a point in the meta uh, at least, you know, when we say, sometimes when we say meta, we act like our meta is the meta right. across the board. No. And it's obviously not, yeah. but it seemed very common on TTS for a while um, for this abstaining thing to happen and you just kind of neutralize the prediction token. But now it feels like the the it's kind of become more of a deal-making thing where you're essentially trying to get... And we did cover that you could use the prediction token to get someone a tech that, that they're... That, basically say like hey i want to get this tech from you 
um, and this is kind of good for you because you know I'm going to be able to get it off of you right. by destroying some of your plastic, and this is a way for you to give it to me without destroying any plastic. So I, I just want to add that part to what Poet said, but I overall, like, I mean, that's yeah. perfect little nugget right there. Yeah, I, I think the main idea being, um, at the very least, be on the lookout for when the table seems pretty unanimous uh try to try to get the feelers out before you put that to especially if it's the first agenda right you can only use your necro ability once per agenda mm-hmm. phase so if the first agenda even looks a little bit like it's just gonna be a, a wash don't do save hope for the next one right even if the first one's a for and against and, and you don't know what the next one's gonna be I, you might as well save it because you're probably not going to get it unless you can get ahead of it and start making the deals before you put the token down. I, I Before I commit that token, and I say token, there isn't a token. We, we use a token in TTS. But before you commit that prediction, uh, you can talk to the other players and be like, listen, can I get you? I, you're all for it, but can I get specifically you to throw one vote for so that I can copy that tech and not have to come attack you? And And you might be able to make some deals there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk cool, cool, about cool, cool, cool. our live stream happening in like two days. If you're listening listening to this episode when it comes out, uh, we have a November seventh live stream at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We're going for 24 hours. It's for Extra Life for the Arkansas Children's Hospital, and uh, we've got we've, we 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 announced the schedule uh, just the other day, but we've ha- we are re reworking a little bit. We're we're going a bit more digital uh, for our 24 hour stream. Uh, so we've had to rework how things are going to operate. Uh, so at 11 a.m. at the start of the stream, we're going to do the Hunter Donaldson Fan Club reverse Franken game. That's where we play Franken Draft, where we chop up all the faction sheets and distribute the abilities and draft them. But instead of drafting really, really good factions, we're trying to draft very, very bad factions for our opponents. This is uh, we we just today spent all day talking about how bad mitosis is to not be able to build a space docks. And that's an ability yeah. that someone could get <laughs> and right. not Definitely. have production Latanis, right? So we might have one person at this table that just leaves. Like they, there would be no point to them playing that game <laughs> because they have my, my Well, no, they'll have to play. They'll have to play, but they will get eliminated very quickly. Right, for sure. Um, and then after reverse Frankendraft, um, although probably not, Probably not right after yeah. we we we've allotted a lot of time for reverse Frankendraft. Reverse Frankendraft um, could so, take four hours or it could take twelve hours. I honestly have yeah, no idea. Yeah, so we don't really know how that works. Yeah, um, and and if we finish early, we'll definitely like still do stuff because I mean it's a twenty-four hour stream. Um, but at eight p.m., um, we are going to do a live episode. A sort of, I mean, I guess it's live. It's sort of live. I guess it's it's live streamed. Yeah. So we're going to stream us recording an episode of the show. Um, so please come watch so you can just like talk at us yeah. while we record. Um, there will be some, be the some room counts. for that too. Like there will be some call and response. You will be a part of the episode if you are there yes. with us. Yes. Um, so it's uh, our Galactic Council episode, Farewell, farewell to the TI4 base game. Uh, it's kind of a season finale for us um, of, a, of a season that's been going uh, for three years, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a big deal. Um, and then at 11 o'clock, we're going to play Root. Um, we'll may, maybe we'll play one game. Maybe we'll play a couple games depending on how quickly it gets done. Um, and then around one o'clock, we're going to me and Matt and EJ and whoever are going to play. It's weird that we're just saying it this way, but we're just going to play video games. <laughs> um, we don't know exactly what we want to play, yeah. uh, but 
we are going to do some non-board game content for a change. We've talked about um, Among And us, it will be at 1 a.m., so whatever. Halo. Hunter and I used to like Halo, so it'd be kind of fun to just revisit some of the Halo 1 campaign, maybe? I don't know, man. We might play Fall Guys. Yeah, something nostalgic like that would be kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I wish we could play Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. That would be a great stream, but there's That would be crazy. Really we we very that. much love that game. Yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah. After that, well, who knows what we'll do? Know, yeah. we'll, we'll be taking requests from the from the chat. If, who knows? If we can squeeze in like another game of Ti, maybe it's that. I don't know. I feel like at that point we'll have just been going so long that we'll just be like, I don't know. What do you what do you want to see? You want to you want to want me to take my shirt off? I don't know. Come on, man, leave me alone. So let's let's see where the night takes us at five a.m. Uh, yeah, I want to thank all of our weird bears, Farganess. TG, Welch, Brian, BotBot, Callowin, Billy, and Squeamish Emu. And I want to thank our Space Kitties, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Polyphony Requiem, Rwise, Gazkio, Dark Jutsu, Absol, Istoria, Ready Action, Vision S, Brave Sir Robin, Uncle Batty, and Frank G. Uh, so this week, uh, there's going to be an Arborek game. I already announced that last yesterday. Last yesterday, uh, it's still going to come out. Um, I guess I kind of spoiled the outcome a little bit, <laughs> um, but whatever. Uh, maybe, maybe I actually won, and it's a big fake. I really so wish we could have finished uh, my Arboret game because that was one I would love to get up on the YouTube, just for the sake of how weird of a game it is. N- not right. because it's a great way to play Arboret. It's a great showing. It's just like that was what a strange game. But like, it feels weird to put it on the YouTube when it it literally did not get complete completed and looks like it probably won't ever. I don't, I don't know that we're ever going to return to that game, which is sad, but yeah, it came at a weird time. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um, so anyways, you can please rate our show on Apple podcasts or iTunes or wherever you listen to it. Uh, and that rating would help increase our visibility and all the rankings and whatnot and algorithms and numbers and computers. Oh boy. Uh, also please find us at, uh, turtles.com where you can find information about how to join our Patreon. Uh, where to find us on Discord and stuff like our Twitter and Facebook and all of that jazz. Hunter Donaldson, mm-hmm. are you ready for... It's not the final reveal, but also it's kind of the final reveal. It's kind of our final spoiler. And the reason I say that right. is there's an event happening tomorrow at uh, Fantasy Flight's Game Center in Roseville uh, where they're giving away some copies. Uh, not giving away. People who pre-ordered copies will be able to go there and pick up their copies, right? They'll be able to fulfill their pre-orders, um, which means like the cat's going to be out of the bag. They're, the wild is going to have copies of this game, which means we might still try to do some spoilers in future episodes. But I'm going to have to try to keep an eye on Wecker's sheet because who knows what's going to get spoiled. I mean, the entire game might get spoiled from here on out. So there is a very strong chance that this is the very last spoiler we do. Hard hard to say. Um, but if we have room uh, can, for more spoilers, I, we will do more in the upcoming episodes. I have a weird thing to throw in. Um, is it... It's kind of... I, I, I'm not really sure how this works, but are we are we about to enter a very short period of the show where technically... Like people that don't do the show are going to be, um, uh, let, let me word this delicately more, um, uh, it, will it be more legal for them to discuss the expansion than us I mean, to discuss it? So, sort of. We have permission from Dane to discuss stuff from the expansion. That's going to be weird territory. Yeah. Will we be able to discuss 
everything that they've leaked? I would think so. I mean, here's the thing. FFG's releasing the game. Like, they're putting it out in the wild. So I think from that point forward, everything's legal. I mean, the, the game is a, is functionally out. I mean, it's, right. it's sort of like when it released at Gen Con in 2017. And, I mean, our show was based off of a bunch of leaks. Like, we, we looked up all the leaks that people had posted to the disc. That's going to happen again, right? Someone's going to take a picture of all this stuff and put it online. It's definitely confusing. Yes. Um, and I would say that if you were thinking about starting a rival show, this is your pocket, okay? <laughs> right now. This is, this is your window. You, you might have more stuff than us. Uh, all right. Let's do... Well, so the, the, today's reveals are really awkward, too, because technically everything for Arborek has been revealed, except for the unlock condition for the commander, right? We know the commander. The commander is after another player activates a system that contains one or more of your units that pr- have production, you may produce one unit uh in that system or whatever so you you, you yeah. get like a last second build or whatever but how do you get that how do you get derzuga rofall peace through strength uh as i grow i must expand oh. i send forth my derzuga into the galaxy so that i may touch many lives Unlock have you're not gonna put you're not gonna put I'm that in the that show. In twelve <laughs> ground forces on planets you control have twelve ground forces, right? So we just described today. You start with four. You could, or uh, yeah, you could at the end of round one have eight. So maybe by round two, if you built, if you if you really invested in infantry, you can unlock your commander by round two. Uh, that might be an overinvestment. I don't know. It depends on your game. Um, but you could get your commander pretty quickly. Uh, 12, 12 ground forces on planets you control. Not a wildly difficult thing for the Arborect to do. So this commander should be pretty accessible for people, which honestly lends more to the idea that I don't need to invest as much in things that pr- protect me. Because if I get if I do just invest in the infantry right away... I can be reactive from that point forward, right? So that might be the right. new Arborex strategy is like, go for broke on these infantry, and then if anybody decides to do anything about you, as long as you're leaving infantry behind on every single planet, everything that gets targeted, you can drop a dreadnought in there or whatever, right? So everything has a fleet that is invisible <laughs> there, just waiting to be right. built. Um, so I don't know. I think it's good. I don't think it's great because, again, this isn't an economic ability, right? We just spent this whole time talking about how Arborek needs economic advantages, and they don't really have it. They really only have their uh, their agent, and it's and that's kind of a very light economic advantage. Everything else is just even more build, 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 build if you have the money. Um, so right. I am I'm certainly worried about Arborek in the Prophecy of Kings days. I I don't know that they got much of a boost, and that may solidify their position as the worst faction in the game. Who knows? Yeah, we'll have to see it all play out. Yeah. There's definitely it's it's definitely early days for that. Um, what's a what's our actual reveal? Today? Yeah, we get to do we get to do a little bit extra because that was only a half reveal. So the other half thing that's been revealed is Barony's commander, the unlock we know, but we don't actually we haven't seen what the ability is yet. So Rear Admiral Farron, the Sector eighteen Viceroy, uh, after one of your units uses sustained damage you may gain one trade good. That's very, cool. very cool. Now, obviously, it's you got to be attacked or you got to be attacking and use your sustained damage. But if you get your dread twos right away and you're not afraid of direct hits and you get NES and you get... <laughs> I mean, th- this can be kind of a big thing, right? Because if, if with NES you, and, and um, 
geranium armor, you can be refreshing. I guess NES doesn't specifically uh, feed into this, but this this lends a little bit more to the geranium armor barony, which I feel like was losing a little bit of favor. There were a lot of people, I feel like, out there that were kind of going, you know what, you only need NES, and geranium you can kind of take a pass on. But with this uh, with this particular commander, I think you might see geranium come back into style. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like it it more obviously combos with munitions. Yeah, uh, yeah. getting trade whatever. goods reliably is, is very nice. You might have a trade good, sustain in the first round, and then in your second round be able to do some munitions reserves, if I'm even remembering yeah. the ability right, and that it's not start of combat, which I'm afraid that I've forgotten, but who knows. <laughs> yep, each round, yep. Nice, so it is good. It's good and and useful for munitions reserves. We like it. It's, it's, it's the only way, the only reliable way Barony gets... Uh, gets trade goods. Although that's also not true because man did their promissory note get way, 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 way better. Right. Totally. <laughs> uh, Barony, Barony in general is getting good stuff yeah. all the time now. Uh, the last thing, and we kind of went backwards on this, I guess, but the last thing that we want to reveal today is another objective. Uh, actually, a lot of objectives got revealed recently in, in a, in a FFG stream, but there's still plenty to know. And the objectives are, arguably the biggest deal of this expansion because they're the things that truly change how the game operates because it i mean it's changing the victory conditions of the game so one more stage one public objective for you is improve infrastructure this is a normal stage one status phase thing have structures on three planets outside of your home system so we've seen build defenses have four or more structures but this is similar but slightly different in that one, just once you get a bunch of structures, you could do a PDS stack or whatever. This one, you've got to spread them out. Uh, obviously, a huge advantage to anyone with a two-planet home system that starts with a PDS, right? You can... Oh, wait, sorry. Outside of your home system. So not an advantage there. Um, this is actually kind of nice against Jolnar because Jolnar's whole thing is they start with three structures. So build defenses is like an automatic get for them. They get one more structure and they're done. But improve infrastructure, they've got to get more PDS and space docks out on the table. So they're they're right there in line with everybody else and what they need to accomplish. So this one I like a lot more as the structure objective. Um, mm -hmm. If anything, it's crazy that we have two coming in. Um, that is going to drastically increase the amount of times we see construction get taken because people are going yep. to be so afraid of... I mean, construction, maybe more than tech, is the thing that if you fall behind on it, you, you will never catch up. If it's round five and, and you know the stage two version of this, if there is one, which we have to assume there is, um, if the stage two of this comes out, there's going to be a lot of people that not only can't do it, but will never be able to do it because they're just way too far behind and there's no way to catch up on structures reliably. So yeah, these are pretty... Construction comes out a lot. Yeah, the, these are these more. are major additions uh, to Prophecy of yeah. Kings, these two, ex these two objectives existing. So very excited. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and hopefully we have a copy here very soon um and can play it but maybe not in person so i don't know how that's going to work but boy Definitely howdy not i wish <laughs> i wish this stuff was over and we could do the thing that we love yeah well you know we'll get there it, it's it's it, it's it'll take some time but we'll we'll do it I, now i'm just reassuring you about <laughs> thanks covid which is such thanks, a Hunter. weird i needed that yeah right now. you know what and listener maybe the listener needed it too so maybe they really appreciate you just kind of being another yeah. calming voice that says, hey, listen, we're going to get through this. Just stay in your house. Don't talk to anybody. Don't see your friends. And yeah. then someday the you'll see them again. Right, right. Yeah, that's I, I like that, Matt. Uh, everything will be okay. Just uh, do not talk to your friends, okay? <laughs> Don't even talk to them, all right? That's, that's out the window now. You just sit 
Just sit in the dark and wait, okay? It'll all be alright. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.